Welcome to Slaughterhouse Stories. I hope you enjoy the stories I have for you tonight. Hello to all you things that go bump in the night. Hello to all you humans as well. Welcome to the show that brings you creepypastas, short scary stories, and dark horror-themed poetry from all across the world. This is the Slaughterhouse Stories Podcast, Episode 10, Avelina's Doll. I'm your host and narrator, Ghost Train, telling you to lock your doors, get under your blanket, and keep the lights on. Now... Let's get spooky. For tonight's opening story, the third month of the podcast brings a third story from one of my favorite authors, Jay Deshen. Her story introduces us to author William Bexton, who at first is enjoying what he thinks is a relaxing bit of downtime, only to see it turn into something different and unexpected. Now, he has to learn to cope with this new existence. Join me as we follow where the story goes. By Jay Deshen. Enjoy The Abandoned. Arthur William Bexton's eyes closed as a pair of firm but gentle hands worked their magic over his whole body. From top to bottom, the hands wandered, their fingers stimulating every muscle group, squeezing and then pulling until he felt limber and relaxed. He breathed deeply stretching the muscles of his chest and filling his lungs with air. The odor he took in threatened to tense him back up. Somewhere close by, something was burning. The back of his throat tickled, and his eyes began to water, prompting them to flutter open. All around Bexton, birch trees stood tall, reaching their limbs into the blue sky above. Birds flitted from branch to branch. He knew this place. He would often take walks here to clear his head. It always had a calming effect on his nerves. But what was he doing here now? He pulled himself into a sitting position and realized that he had been lying on the ground. Odd, he said out loud to himself. How did he come to be lying on the ground in this particular place? Certainly he was near enough to his home that he could simply walk over anytime he wished. That was normal, but this was not. Something about this whole scene seemed very strange. A rustling in the underbrush nearby drew his attention. Bexton's heart leaped into his throat as he scrambled to his feet. As soon as he got there, a figure stepped out of the shadows. Bexton nearly vomited at the sight. Before him was what appeared to be a creature made of ash and clay. It bore no visible hair or clothing, standing naked, gray, and crumbling before him. Milky eyes peered out at him, with two slots for nostrils. Immediately below them, thin lips were little more than the border around a gaping black hole of a mouth. The creature hissed and lurched forward with a stumble. Bexton turned and ran, bounding through the forest. His feet pounded over dirt and rocks, destroying any shred of green that had dared to grow on his path. All the while, the creature kept pace behind him. Stop! A voice cried out behind him in a hoarse, unplaceable rasp. You must stop! Bexton was determined to keep going. He sucked in gulps of air, 
still steeped in that horrible burning smell. It seemed to be hanging all about him, sitting on his shoulders like a persistent cloud, no matter how fast he ran. The trees began to thin, revealing a pond in the distance. The sight of the water, choked with lily pads and dead leaves, was welcome. Somehow, as if Bexley could parlay that into some tool of salvation. Before he could figure out how, however, his foot struck an immovable rock on the forest floor. He pitched forward, his legs came out from under him, his eyes closed tightly, and his arms straddled out to keep him from falling face first into the water. When he opened his eyes at last, he wished he hadn't. Staring back at him from the water was a face, a reflection, and yet the face was not his own. It was hideous. His skin was dark gray, rough, and apparently crumbling, as if he too were made entirely of ash. He brought his hands up to look at them, really seeing them for the first time since waking. They were the same lifeless color. Bexton began to shake. A scream of anguish rattled inside his chest and finally forced his way out and into the air. It echoed through the trees as a far-off crow called and took flight. The pursuing footfalls galloped to a stop somewhere behind Bexton. He didn't bother to look. What horror could the creature hold for him now? Now he was one of them. I tried to tell you. The creature said. Its voice was bathed in compassion. Bexton would have thought an impossible failing based on how it looked. What are we? Bexton asked softly. A quiver started up from his very core and moved outward. We are the abandoned, the creature said. Abandoned. Bexton leaned into confusion. It was a much better feeling than horror or despair. What do you mean? We have been abandoned here, you and I, said the creature. Why? In my case, the creature said, I requested it. You may well have done the same. Bexton was silent. Request that. The word played over in his mind. A memory stirred. He was taken back to a warm Sunday morning. Spoons and cups clinked together. A sweet, familiar voice chirped in his ear. Cremation is a lot cheaper, Hannah had said. And besides, you get to be scattered in your favorite places. Bexton laughed as he poured himself and his daughter fresh cups of coffee. I don't care what you do with me, he said. When I'm dead, I'm dead. Hannah sighed. I know, Dad. I just really hope you'll give this some thought, so I'm not scrambling. You know, when the time comes. And he had given it thought. Cremation to spare his family any undue cost, and a scattering along his favorite hiking trail. The very same place where he'd regained his consciousness. But those hands, those unseen fingers, what were they doing? The only explanation that came to mind chilled and sickened him. They hadn't been relaxing him or caring for him. They weren't the loving hands of a god, accepting him into the afterlife for an eternal rest. No, they were putting him back together. Why? He asked softly, barely able to contain his horror. Why one? The creature asked. Why have we been animated? Bexton nodded. I do not know, the creature said. Bexton was sure. He heard a hint of despair in the answer. What do we do now? He asked. We wait, the creature said. And then, the creature was silent. A light breeze rose up as if filling the vacuum left by sound. There was a scent to land, one that cut through the smell of burning and ash. This scent was sweet. Salty. Delicious. Bexton could have sworn his stomach rumbled, though he had no idea that was possible. 
He turned and squinted at a pair of shapes moving just beyond the trees. He could hear them now, two young men in lively conversation. Their backs were loaded down by packs, apparently heavy with supplies. I hope we have everything we need, said one. Relax, said the other. I'm a little concerned, to be honest, said the first. You never know what could be out here. I've heard of people just straight up disappearing in these woods. The conversation continued in muffled tones. Well, Bexton prompted the creature once more for an answer to his previous question. The creature took a moment to answer. Even without looking at it, Bexton could feel its mood change. His own followed suit. At last, the creature spoke. We feast. I'm so thankful that he has someone to help and guide him through his new afterlife. Hopefully, you can avoid running into them or those like them. But then again, you may make for a lovely dinner. While we contemplate all the recipes we could use you for, let's move along to the next story. Brought to us by an unnamed author. This is a story about someone recalling a tale he was told by his recently deceased grandfather. A story that involved him in ways he never could have imagined or wanted. Watch out for who or what is around you as you listen to The Child. It was maybe two weeks ago when I talked to my grandpa about an entity he said was the reason he was put into the loony bin. I think I remember how the story goes. Since he's no longer around to tell it to me for better remembrance, I'll just have to give it my best shot. Here it goes. It was a particularly rainy day. The streets of my small city were empty, save a woman I saw at North 12th Street, just standing there with her umbrella. I ignored the old woman and kept on driving towards my house, as I heard the rain was going to start pouring down ferociously in just about an hour. I arrived at my house in minutes, and I hurried to my front door so I could get out of the rain. Then I noticed an old lady at the top of my street. Had that been the same lady? I saw North 12th. No, this lady had a different umbrella, although they did look the same. I decided I would think about that later after I got inside the house and out of the rain. As I made it inside, I noticed foot tracks going through my house, toward the kitchen. I had an alarm system, so if it was someone I didn't know, it would have gone off. It had to have been my girlfriend. <sighs> I was so worried. Yet it was only common sense that it was my girl. I went to go see her and give her a hug and well, I guess a kiss would do as well. I walked to the kitchen to find some kid running out of my house. I chased him outside, but I didn't see where he went. He looked about 10, so I decided I wouldn't call the police. I stood outside for like two hours waiting to see if he would come back. Then it happened. A ridiculous gust of wind just came out of nowhere and blew my back into the side of the house, effectively knocking me out. When I came to, I saw the boy standing at the edge of my yard. He was wearing a tattered t-shirt, jeans, and a pair of Converse sneakers. As he walked towards me, I had this feeling of unspeakable dread shoot through my entire body. I was so scared, so confused. I forgot how to get up. He stopped about two feet in front of me and said three words that almost made me shit my pants. He said, I'll be back. Then, just as he had come, he vanished into thin air. It took me several minutes to get up. But I was able to eventually. But as I started to go from my door, 
I saw that same lady was at the top of my street staring at me from where she was before, saying something to herself. I couldn't make out what she was saying since she was so far away, so I just went back into the house. Even today, I remember everything that went on that day like it was yesterday. Well, there you have it, my boy. The reason they put me in the mental institute. You and me both know I shouldn't be here. I'm not insane. That little bitch of a ghost put me in here. Well, anyway, I guess you should get home and work on that bed that you said you were building today. Thanks for visiting. My grandpa killed himself yesterday. He left me a note on why he did it. I have it here to read for you. Here it goes. If you're reading this, I've ended my life, even if only a few days early. Anyway, I couldn't take being awake any longer after the dream I had last night. That boy entity thing came in my dream and told me that he would be back the following day. He would attack my sanity by sending me images in my brain, giving me the worst physical pains I could handle, and slaughtering my entire family to attack my emotions. I didn't want to stay alive for any of this, so I killed myself. I couldn't stay alive to see the family die, especially you, my favorite grandson. Keep that a secret. I don't know if he's still going to kill you, so keep a watch out for anything, especially a lady with an umbrella with green and white stripes. With love, Pappy. That was the last I ever heard from my grandpa. His funeral's on the 23rd of April. I don't want to go, but I owe it to my pap. Well, I guess I better go finish that bed I was working on. Oh, wait a minute. There's someone at my door. Looks like some sort of kid. Probably kicked a ball in my backyard. That's it for me. Goodbye for now. You would think he would have heeded the warning his grandfather had given him. Instead, it looks like he'll be joining his grandfather a lot sooner than expected. Now, before we venture an open mic night, allow me to introduce a new feature. I'm calling this Horrific Recommendations. Just my way of putting horror-themed things out there that I find enjoyable and want to share with all of you. Whether it's a movie, music, or just something random. Tonight, I find it fitting that we will once again be going into the dollhouse for tonight's main story. Since the first recommendation I have for you is the Instagram page, an Etsy store of Buried Alive Dolls. These are hand-painted, one-of-a-kind horror dolls created by Gabriella Graves. Let me tell you, if you love creepy and scary dolls, you will love the dolls that she creates. Follow her store on Instagram, at Barrett Alive Dolls, all one word, and check out her store at Etsy.com slash shop slash Barrett Alive Dolls, and see if she has something that might be an exciting and haunted addition to your home. Now that I've told you about Barrett Alive Dolls, Let's move on down to Beazel Pop for this week's open mic night. Welcome, fiends, to open mic night at Beazel Pop, where we invite you to sit right here and go into the more poetic side of fear, poems of murder, creatures, and ghosts, all the things that scare you the most. To start off open mic night is a poem by an unnamed author, giving verse and rhyme to this story about a dreamer and a being that stalks him, keeping him from his desires. And after, Ryder Cornconic shows us why sometimes it's better to be content than to think that the grass is greener on the other side. 
sway with the verses and snap too. He stalks the inner being of time and somewhere under the rainbow. In the darkest pit lurks the most ruined life. He stalks the inner being of time. He is alone and he knows it bitterly true. I pity him and can relate with his ills, for I too have lost much to his power. Oh, how I'd love to face this wretch, to combat him on a higher plane, to engage him at his titillating game. He reaches into my heart and from out my desires, he pulls my soul. Naked and alone, I cannot defeat you. Darkness, you desire to consume me. My tongue you wish to preach your hate. You attack me, for you desire a vessel for your earthly work. Nay, I deny you this, but in truth what defense have I to the divinity that swarms about me? I appeal, appeal, but what cold mental embrace do I feel? Wretch, craven, what business have thee here? I desire love, but it feels as though it is beyond me. Desperate, I pray for salvation from impurity. Nay, better still, salvation from iniquity. For it is my falling short of your dreams that force you to force me to fall short of mine. And in dreams, this wretch lives forever. For dreams are but distant wishes, hopes for a brighter tomorrow. And in these hopes, darkness lurks, desiring to encumber he who dares to dream, to inspect and infect him inoculate him with all the ills and worries of fear, and when the dirges of hope forgotten take their toll, he reaps, oh he reaps, up your back his fingers creep, and he shushes with a whisper, and you are alone again. Wake up, dreamer, there is no more time, make real that which you seek, then, and then alone, does the nightmare go away. I dreamed a dream of wandered nights, of laughing kids and fairy lights. For all the fun, the sun, the snow, there was one place I could not go, somewhere under the rainbow. I danced with pixies, sung with stars, ate fine food and chocolate bars, lived a life unknown of woe, outside the place I could not go, over there, under the rainbow. It beamed its colors so vivid, so bright, shining, casting wonderful light above the land, black as crow, above the place I could not go, the land beneath the rainbow. And though the land was dark and dank, a peevish sight with smells so rank, and waters that would hardly flow, I found myself wanting to go to that somewhere under the rainbow. I packed my things and kissed my friends, made up, gave up, made amends, went on my way and soon, lo, I set off to where I wanted to go, that place beneath the rainbow. But as I drew closer and closer to the blackish soil and the withered trees and the dying children who wasted away to nothing before my eyes under the rotting light of the rainbow, 
which before had seemed so goodly so clean. I felt a presence, a warmth, a tranquility, a peace, pulling me back, back to the land of pleasure and happiness, back to fun and games, back to ignorance. But I resisted, I fought back, pushed my feet into the ground and strained forwards. As my friends watched from afar, their faces blank and emotionless, and that presence turned to filthy rage, to wrath and anger, and with a single motion, it banished me forever. Now here I lay in darkened night, upon my bed, covers pulled tight, across my body and I yearn, wishing, hoping that I may return to that land of my dreams, that land of hope, that land where I could no longer go, that somewhere under the rainbow. A beautiful dream of paradise, lost forever because of greed and curiosity. Next time, learn not to venture away from perfection. As we walk back from the pub, let me ask you a favor. If you're enjoying the show, please head over and leave a review on iTunes or anywhere else that lets you do so and help spread the word to your friends, family, the people you have locked in your basement, whoever. Tell them, be a listener, not a victim. I also want to take a moment and let you guys know that if you'd like to offer up your own real-life scary story, or just recommend a scary story you'd like to hear on the show, you can reach out to me at slaughterhousestoriespodcast at gmail.com. Write in and I'll read your email on the show. Now that we're home from the pub, it's time to walk to that tiny door and gently knock. Watch as it opens and allows us to step into the dollhouse. This month's feature for The Dollhouse was written by an unknown author. It's the story of a man who was just trying to do the right thing for his mother. After an accident, took something from her that she held onto since she was seven years old, showing that indeed no good deed goes unpunished. Strange things begin to happen, and time is a factor if he wants to save his mother. Listen to the tiny porcelain footsteps around you, and try to stay calm while I tell you the tale of Avelina's doll. Just last week, my mom's favorite Vietnam doll from the 70s broke by falling off her shelf with a loud commotion. It was made out of a type of glass that a vase would be made out of. She seemed somewhat negatively affected by it. I told her that I would see what I could do to get it replaced. She told me that the only reason why it meant so much to her is because she'd had it ever since she was seven. She's never owned something so long. After I heard about the accident, she told me that a garage sale was just up the street from her place. I took a stroll there and checked out what they had. The garage sale was run by an old man and his wife. Most of what they were selling were movies from the 60s or children's books. Must be grandparents, I'd assume. Nothing much came to interest, 
except for this doll at the sale. It looked oddly like my mom's Vietnam doll. It was a bit bizarre. It had the long dark hair, the beautiful dark red dress, the little black slips, and even the pale white on its skin. But something was a bit strange about the doll. The eyes were pitch black instead of a baby blue. I thought nothing of it and approached the old man and asked him how much the doll was. He just laughed a little and said, I remember that doll. It's a China doll. It used to belong to my granddaughter. Too bad she passed. I asked him what he meant and he told me. My granddaughter was 16 when she died. She committed suicide. God only knows why she did it. I thought a little deep into it, then asked how much the doll was again, realizing I never even got an answer to how much it cost in the first place. He told me he wasn't going to charge me for it. He just wanted it out of his sight. I replied with a soft, Thank you. I kept thinking about how oddly strange and suspicious that old man was. When I arrived home, I showed my mom the doll. It's perfect, she replied with a huge grin on her face. Ever since then, she has not said anything negative about the doll. All she said was it oddly looked exactly like hers, and I noticed how she's been attached to it. Whenever I go over to her house, I see her in her rocking chair, rocking back and forth, staring into the doll's darkened eyes. It's a little creepy, so after that I took a break from going over to her house, because I had this nightmare the other day after seeing how attached she's been to the doll. The nightmare started out where I was in a well-lit room. I knew I was dreaming, but in the dream I was trying to uncover something. Across from where I was standing, there was a little girl. She looked quite similar to the doll itself. I asked her what she wanted. She told me she was there to warn me about the horrors that the doll holds in place. I asked her what she meant. She told me that the doll was possessed by an evil spirit. It explains a little to why my mom has been acting so bizarre and unusual lately. In my dream, I asked if I could destroy the doll. She said no, as it would release the evil spirit, making it easier to possess my mother's body. The little girl told me that I should try to get rid of the doll somehow, other than trying to destroy it. Unfortunately, I didn't know much at that time. It was only a nightmare. God only knows if what the girl in my dreams spoke of was even a real thing. The day after I'd had that nightmare, bizarre things began to happen. My mother was acting a bit strange. She no longer answered my phone calls, nor even called me. Something was wrong, and I had to get to the bottom of it. I went over to my mom's house, and when I approached the door, it was already open. What horrors could be in there? I dashed inside and into my mom's room. She was in a corner, shivering. She turned around and grinned. Something was off about her. Her eyes were darkened. I stumbled back in terror. What's wrong? You don't like how I look. She said in a demonic voice. I then noticed the brutal cuts up and down her arms. What the fuck is going on? I wondered. I need to see a priest before this goes too far. The next time, I've just spoken to a priest about what's been going on with my mother. The only problem was I had to wait five days for him to get here. He recently arrived at the house. I opened the door for him to come into the house, and I walked up the stairs at the man, explaining what's been going on with her and the doll. He simply replied, was it Avelina's doll? I didn't know what he spoke of, so I questioned him about the name, Avelina. He told me that she was about 10 years old, and she lived with her grandparents. One day she was roaming the attic, looking for a light bulb, and instead, she found the china doll. The same doll my mom now owned. Avelina decided to call the doll Emily. A little after she found the doll, Avelina noticed something wrong about the doll. She warned her grandparents about the horrors the doll held 
It showed her things, things she didn't want to see. As punishment, they locked her in the cellar of their house until she quit her nonsense about the doll. But still, she spoke of the China doll. Then it came one day that they bound her to a chair in the cellar and lit her on fire. They took her ashes and sprinkled them into the grass in their yard. I knew there was something off about that old couple. I didn't expect that. After our discussion, we approached my mother's room. We walked inside, and my mom was curled up into a ball on her bed. This black stuff was oozing out of a deep cut in her back. He told me to wait outside the room, and I did so. The whole time I was waiting, I heard chanting and screaming. I was waiting patiently, worried, but trying not to bother the priest. After 30 minutes, he brought me into the room and explained that the entity that possessed my mother was the same one that manipulated Avelina. The priest told me that in order to fix everything back to the way it was, the china doll had to be buried. I took the doll to an abandoned ranch not that far from where my mom's house was. I buried the doll, and ever since, everything's been fine. For about a week, my mom was talking about the china doll. Emily. The bizarre thing is that a day after the entity left my mom, the house with that old couple that I got the doll from burned down while they were sound asleep in their bed. Some have even said that they saw a little girl in the area with dark hair and a red dress. She looked a lot like that doll. To this day, I wonder if that soul was laid to rest or if we just opened a doorway to another dimension, a doorway that can't be closed. That poor doll Emily, harshly cast out and burned for no good reason. I, for one, am hoping for justice for Emily. And I know you are all with me, right? Emily will make for a wonderful addition, and I can't wait to see what next month brings to the dollhouse. Now, I believe it is enough scares for this week. I hope you will join me again next week for more stories that are sure to keep you afraid during the day and awake at night. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the stories that I had for you tonight. And until next time, Stay spooky.